0: Welcome, and thank you for joining the Society for Clinical Research Sites for SCRS Talks. I'm Jimmy Bechtel, Vice President of Site Engagement. SCRS Talks allows our partners and those we work closely with to take a few minutes to share issues of industry concern. On this episode of SCRS Talks, we're discussing a new law that recently passed stating Medicaid is to cover the routine costs of qualifying clinical trials. With this new law effective in January, 2022, There is a new CMS form for PIs to use in these instances to secure coverage. One important thing to note is that the new law and uh, accommodating form does not grant anyone that is not already a Medicaid provider the ability to bill Medicaid. You have to be an approved Medicaid provider in order to bill Medicaid. I have David Volcano here, the SCRS Honorary President and the Vice President of Research Compliance and Integrity at HCA Healthcare with us today, as he has been close to this project and is here to share some insights on what this means for our sites.
1: So the the law is uh, a, a portion of the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021. And essentially, this provision of this law, of course, the law covers many other things, but this provision of this law was intended to increase Medicaid enrollment in clinical trials. Uh, It's important for the Medicaid population, uh, and then it's also important for all of uh, the diversity, equity, and inclusion needs for uh, enrollment in clinical trials. The problem that Congress seemingly was trying to solve was uh, that Medicaid never specifically said that they would cover uh, routine care in clinical trials. This is similar to uh, what Medicare does, Uh, but Medicaid never said that they didn't cover routine care. And from my understanding, and uh, I know many sites out there have said, this This hasn't really been a problem. They, they've been able to bill Medicaid for routine care in clinical trials, even though Medicaid never said that they did. They, they didn't say that they didn't, but they never said that they did. So somehow the the legislators, uh, you know, put in the Consolidated Appropriations Act that Medicaid, well, they hardwired into the Medicaid uh, statutes that Medicaid will cover the routine care of approved clinical trials or, or qualifying clinical trials, uh, very similar to what they had done for Medicare uh, ages ago. The issue that we've been challenging CMS a little bit with is, uh, or working with CMS, is that in addition to uh, making that statement within the uh, Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021, they also said, oh, by the way, if a Medicaid beneficiary is going to enroll in a qualifying clinical trial, uh, there has to be a form. And the form will have to be signed by the principal investigator. And the uh, patient's health care provider or the Medicare benefit, Medicaid beneficiaries' health care provider, saying that the trial is appropriate or, or, or attesting that the trial is a qualifying trial and that the trial is appropriate for the patient. So, unlike Medicare, uh, the Medicaid beneficiaries will have to have this form signed by the what we believe to be two different physicians, but we're trying to get clarification is if it can be one physician. So this law was supposed to be in effect come 2022, or January 1st of 2022. Uh, the only thing is that if there were certain states that needed to change some regulations, there would be some phase-in obligations, but that that's kind of the, the boring part and not germane to our discussion. The problem with it is that the form never came out. So, you know, towards Q3 and Q4, we never did see the form. We heard that they were working on one. We never could see it. Uh, And then in the latter parts of of 2021, uh, we, on behalf of SCRS, contacted CMS and said, hey, you know, where is the form? Uh, And and what happens if the form is not ready? So we had some dialogue with with CMS on this. They said the form is being worked on. It's not quite ready. Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll we'll get back to you. So it, it's kind of, you know, a lot of the, the typical responses you may get from the federal government for um, this. We had a number of questions that we asked, such as, you know, can one physician sign as both the, can the PI sign for both the PI and the qualifying provider? Uh, we had a few other questions uh, and some concerns about the form. It is a two-sided form front and back, and, and that always creates problems. Uh, it also talks about identifying the trial. It has two or three different ways to identify the trial that may bring inconsistencies. So uh, we found out in later in January that CMS put the form through the Office of Management and Budget, or OMB. This is a, a process the government has to go through uh, pursuant to what's called the Paperwork Reduction Act. So whenever the government requires The private sector to give information or fill out a form or something like that the paperwork reduction act uh, requires it to go through OMB and uh, you know get some sort of estimates of the cost and and approvals and things along those lines so that's where it is in this process Uh, it went through OMB in January Uh, it finally was available for public comment but you had to really dig to find it uh, I'm not sure why CMS is not uh, being more forthcoming with it, but nevertheless, uh, you know I respect CMS, and that they don't have a choice. This is a law passed by Congress. So we have uh, we went to the SCRS uh, forum of sites, gathered uh, some additional feedback on what we were going to say, and we submitted our feedback both to OMB for them to consider in giving final approval for the form as well as CMS for any other future considerations and or guidance on the form, such as this, you know, can the PI sign for the PI and the attesting physician? Where does the form need to go? Does it need to be only in the medical record? Does it have to be submitted with a claim uh, and, and a few other th- Things and suggestions and and hopefuls on the form, so that's where it sits today. Uh, OMB has received our comments on the form, as have CMS. CMS acknowledged their receipt of our comments, and right now we are in the waiting phase to see what would happen for uh, the final form to come out, and hopefully any guidance on the form that we can get uh, if there are some questions or ambiguities on it.
0: Lots of great information there, David. As, as you mentioned, right, two weeks from when the law went into the effect, uh, clinical research orga- organizations had not seen this form or haven't really received any information on it. Um, despite the year CMS had come to develop this form, it seems to me that the form was created with little or no site input or, or um, truly any f- public feedback for that matter. Um, and again, you had provided that template for SCRS site members to reach out to SCRS, urging them to update the form. Um, But can you maybe re-emphasize a little bit more on what response we've received from CMS, uh, if any?
1: Uh, Yeah, well, I think I mentioned it earlier. I mean, the only response from CMS was, you know, essentially, thank you for the feedback. Uh, So uh, we don't have any estimated time as to when the form will become available. We don't have uh, any guidance as to if we have to retrospectively get this form completed for subjects enrolled. January 1 on the go forward, we hope that they don't require that, uh, you know, but, you know, nevertheless, you know, maybe they will. Uh, So, yeah, all all we've, all the communication essentially has been one way, us talking to CMS uh, and not getting any meaningful information back uh, from CMS. So, we will continue to ask and monitor and uh, continue to ask for clarifications on behalf of research sites. I mean, our the, the other component of this too is, as I mentioned, CMS doesn't have a choice. This is a law passed by elected Congress. So in order to, if we believe, which many would hypothesize, that this form is going to have the opposite effect on Medicaid uh, enrollment in clinical trials because it adds additional burden to the sites. And the Medicaid beneficiaries, uh, you know, if, if that has to be two different physicians, they're going to have to go get an appointment with another doctor to uh, get uh, a form signed uh, for them to enroll in a clinical trial. So that's going to add time and cost and, and delays in their enrollment. So uh, as, as we generally hypothesize that this form is going to have the opposite effect on Medicaid beneficiaries enrolling in clinical trials, and the opposite effect of the diversity, equity, inclusion efforts that everybody is trying to uh, go forward and and improve on, that uh, we think that individuals should uh, preemptively and and, uh, openly contact their representatives in the Senate and the US House of Representatives uh, to let them know that uh, this you know, we strongly feel that this will have an opposite effect. Uh, sometimes they don't go on feelings; they want data, and and maybe this is something that we will have to survey sites and see what added cost, delays, and impact on enrollment and our diversity of enrollment has the uh, requirement of this form uh, imposed. Maybe we'll be surprised. Maybe maybe we're overthinking this, and and it won't have an impact, but. Uh, you know, certainly out the gate, the the educated guess is is that it probably will have the opposite impact of what the law was intended to do.
0: Yeah, that makes that makes sense, David. And, uh, I guess time will tell really where we head with this and, and what direction um, this ends up going for our research sites. Uh, to be clear, David, for our listeners on the line, uh, we we talked about it a little bit before. Um, you know, the Medicare, Medicaid sites, right? Sites that uh, might bill through Medicaid. But I want to be clear, what types of sites, of research sites might this affect?
1: If you are a site that is doing studies that are billing the patient's insurance for routine care affiliated with those research, that's what it's going to affect. Uh, if you had been billing Medicaid in the past and not having any problems, then you will... You know, you'll have the additional obligation of you know, needing to have this particular form uh, completed uh, under the guidance for this, or, or the guidance provided by CMS, if and when this, this form becomes available. So sites like you know that are compensated 100% by the sponsors for everything affiliated with the study, uh, you know those types of studies will not be affected by this because you're you're not sending a bill to Medicaid. Uh, if you're a site that's and sponsors are pushing to say hey you need to build a patient for routine care and you're not currently a Medicaid provider you know uh, yes you in theory you could build Medicaid but you still have to be a Medicaid provider as you mentioned earlier Jimmy does this doesn't grandfather research sites into being Medicaid providers you still have to go to your state and, and become a Medicaid provider to build that routine care uh, the other thing that it makes for some complications on is uh, if you know, there are some sites that are partners with local providers. So, you know, your site itself may not be billing Medicaid, uh, but you may be sending a patient to a hospital for a surgery or an infusion center for an infusion, and they are billing Medicaid for that. So, if that's the case, they may be precluded from billing Medicaid without The assistance of getting this form signed. So just because it may not affect your site because your site is not billing Medicaid, if your site extenders are billing Medicaid for routine care, it could have a negative impact on your site as well because they may say they're not going to provide those services to you until you uh, get this particular form signed and in their hands and, and everything that needs to be done with it is done with
0: it interesting and and i think helpful right for a lot of the sites that we have on the line that um that might uh need to know whether or not this affects them so again very helpful david thank you um getting a little bit more into that about about the sites and and what they need to do what can sites do to be prepared for this right when when the everything's all said and done i realize you know we're we're kind of playing this Awkward waiting game right now with the government. Um, but what advice do you have for them as they navigate this new challenge?
1: Uh, I would say, you know, first and foremost, uh, you know, stay tuned to the SCRS forums, uh, any news feeds that you get that might be related to this issue. Uh, you know, we'll we'll stay tuned, but you know, we may miss an announcement for a day or two or something like that. If, if somebody hears about it, uh, please post it on the forum that you've seen movement in this area. Uh, from CMS, and and we can jump on the follow-up if if we're delayed in that. Uh, I mean, obviously, the sooner that we get this educated out, uh, the the better. Uh, And that's for sites, but then sites may also have to educate the CROs and the um, sponsors on this. I know, Jimmy, you and I have already had talks with uh, ACRO, the Association of Clinical Research Organizations, Uh, that's the trade association for CROs, to give them a heads up on this, and uh, we'll, we'll gather some additional feedback from sites to uh, work with ACRO so that they can help educate their CRO partners to say this isn't a bunch of whining sites. This is something a, a legitimate issue that uh, could increase cost and or decrease enrollment in uh, the um, uh, in 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 their clinical trials. So uh, that's that's what we're doing to prepare for it. The other thing I would suggest sites is maybe do a current inventory on if you are going if you are billing medicaid for any routine care affiliated with the sites or if any of your extenders uh, like hospitals or infusion centers or surgery centers or things like that are billing medicaid for the routine care portion of of these studies so that you have an idea as to the scope of impact that uh, the new form once approved and distributed and required will uh, uh, have on you.
0: Excellent, very helpful. I'm sure for for our colleagues on the line, David. So thank you. Uh, as we begin to wrap things up here and, and and close conclude our conversation, what can SCRS do in the future when things like this occur in our ecosystem? Right, we want to be prepared, and SCRS stands on the pillar of advocacy and education as, as two of the four pillars. So what again? What can we do uh, for our sites when it comes to situations like this?
1: Sure. I, I think, you know, very similar to what we've done. I mean, for for years, we have looked at uh, pending in or new legislation that we can provide comment on uh, when comment periods are open. Uh, even when comment periods are not open, we can provide comment on when it comes to legislation. So this is a a, a legislative driven, driven event. So, you know, one thing that we can do to um, Uh, is, is, you know, continue to do that, continue to provide the feedback to the folks that are writing the laws uh, and provide our opinions and or data to the extent that we have data. So uh, that, you know, as to what a new law would have an impact on. The, uh, you know, from our members, our members are our greatest assets. You know, they can help provide some information to us that we can aggregate and send off on to the regulators Uh, on behalf of our membership uh, for things that might affect sites globally, like an issue like this.
0: Lots of great action items there, David, and things to look forward for not only us, SCRS as an organization, but also for our sites. Um, So I appreciate your insight into this issue um, and thank you for your time today.
1: Thank you to SCRS and your staff support and in all of these initiatives in, in helping us sites Uh, do the right thing for ourselves, our businesses, and the populations that we serve.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, David. For those of you on the line, make sure you register for upcoming webinars, SCRS talks, and other discussions by visiting our learning campus, as well as our publication section of our website, myscrs.org. I appreciate everyone's participation in today's program and looking forward to having you join us for more great content. Thanks for listening. And again, David, thank you for being here. Thank you, Jimmy.